Hey team, welcome to Authority Optional, Leadership Beyond the Rule Book. Today, Josh and I talked about our obsessions. These are things that might be eccentricities or traits, you could call them passions. Whatever you call them, there could be something special or unique about you that others might not see how they can apply to your job. But if you can find a way, sometimes these things can be really interesting ways to make you good at your job. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, sorry. Want to hold hands? No. <laughs> no. I'm good. Okay. All right. Just checking. Uh, well, we're in a little bit of a new environment today because equipment is being off, <laughs> sent to warranty departments and such. But uh, use your local libraries, people, if, if they've got an option like this. We've got a, a real cool setup here. Anyway, enough about that. I, actually, I would say plug for the local library. It's a free space for an hour, and they've got more equipment than than uh, we would normally be using. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, ostensibly much better equipment. But I guess we'll, we'll see how it sounds. Support your local libraries, Support, people. Yes, for crying out loud. Support your local libraries. Um. So topic today that kind of a uh, little, little bit of lightning has just struck my brain. I just had an apostrophe. <laughs> I think you mean an epiphany. Uh, I The epiphone. I wanted to talk about obsessions that we have as leaders and maybe what you should do with those obsessions. This entire discussion is not going to be a chicken walk. It's going to be a tangent. <laughs> Let's try to keep it linear. <laughs> uh, we... <laughs> We have told the audience what a chicken walk is, right? Yeah, we last, last week last we week. made it very okay. clear. All right. Just if, if this is your first pod with us, uh, a chicken walk is that idea popped into your head and we're going to go in a different direction for a hot second and then we'll come back. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, you know, you just watch a chicken walk around and that's, that is a, in fact a chicken walk. You just turned me down, didn't you? Yeah, I potted you down a little bit. I You're hot. I can't, I can't hear me now. You can't I can, hear I you? can hear me. I'm okay. Just, yeah. Not 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 as easily as I could, but now because yeah. uh, I could hear you real good, <laughs> real good. <laughs> R capital H E A L, and I'm, it sounds to me like I'm going in and out. Hopefully, this doesn't show up on the recording. Good. All right, enough nonsense. Obsessions, uh, and what I mean by that is anything that is a a very strong focus of yours. Maybe it's a Maybe you could call it a passion. There's probably a lot of different words for it, but it's something that – I'm going to move a little closer to the mic because I feel like I'm going in and out. Hopefully that's a headphone problem and not a recording problem. So anyway, you get what I'm saying, right? Like Absolutely. Something that seems super important to you. So you want to kick us off? Like can you think of something that through your years of leadership is just – there's always one thing that you – I'm just going to keep using the word that you kind of got obsessed about. Yeah. I For, for me, it – it took a long time to actually understand it, and I think articulating it in this format is part of the reason why we're even we, why we even started a podcast. Uh, I enjoy people, and so uh, when you look at the things that are my strengths, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that I would survive in a sales environment, particularly the beginning of my career in a hardcore sales environment. And the only way that I made that work was uh, I had to be able to connect with people in an honest way and. I had 
probably to work a little bit harder than other people who were doing some less than scrupulous things um, in, in the industries that I was in. And it became this, this idea that you can make a living, you can, whether it's selling, producing, leading, it was about the humans. It was about the people. Um, I'm an extrovert by nature. So the things that I'm obsessed with are getting to know people. Um, and as I've matured in my own career, you know, I've been very fortunate to have some positions where I have great people around me. I have solid teams and I've been able to focus on as a leader, being obsessed with who people are, what they're about, what they want to get out of the experience and what they need to thrive. But even more so, like working on the grant last year, I managed a very large grant and the subrecipients of this grant, the people who used money from the grant to, to do things on the ground, I was able to be a part of these listening sessions with them and focus groups with them and really listen to where their pain points were. And really, it's for me, the obsession is reinforcing people's skills and what they're good at. Talking to somebody who thinks they're never going to be able to accomplish a goal for what their dream job is and then connecting the dots on the skills that they're developing and the skills they can develop and moving into that. So I, I absolutely, as, as a leader, have become obsessed with growth and development and helping people connect those dots to what their strengths are, to what they want to do, and finding that pathway. And to me, that's just fun. Well, that's the answer's <laughs> not fun. <laughs> uh, I, uh, do you, well, I'll give you mine. I'll give you the one that, that sprang to mind for me. And because one of the things that I, I want to talk about this for the audience is there are ways that you can turn your obsessions into good leadership styles. Yours is already built in. That's like the perfect interview answer. Why do you want to be in leadership? Like that's an answer you would give. Oh, I really love getting to know people. All right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's only better than I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> um, it's a good answer. And I, and I believe you. I've worked with you. I, I don't have true. any weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my only weakness is uh, that I don't have any weaknesses. No. Um, mine is I am obsessed with efficiency. And this permeates my life. My wife has promised that she will put on my gravestone, I just want shit to work. That's I, <laughs> When it comes to technology, anything that has been built for a specific purpose, I just want it to do its purpose. And so when it's not working, it is very difficult for me, difficult times. Um, but the way that that... <laughs> <laughs> I've very, experienced this firsthand. Very so. difficult times. <laughs> Questions like, Why? Yeah. Yeah. Just, and that's the best I have. Like it goes very South from there. <laughs> uh, another, another classic maxism is, is that absolutely necessary? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the way efficiency lands itself in my leadership style is I'm always looking to make something easier, more streamlined, faster, quicker, better, whatever, which I think true to form it fits into my strengths just like maximizer. Yeah. You just you just described it. Yeah. I mean I find if you read the text on it, that usually applies to people. But it for me, like I said, it permeates my entire life. Everything is it it must be and can be better. Max, how do you feel when you're driving on the freeway and somebody's in the left lane going two miles slower than the speed limit? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I might uh, incriminate myself. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, that drives me insane. It's there's there's a purpose for the left lane. It's called the passing lane. It's for passing. It's not for camping. <laughs> anyway, um, yet I digress. So yeah, so for me, 
efficiency covers everything. And anybody who's worked for me, hell, anybody who's, you know, become friends with me sees how it enters everything. I, I like there's I just see it and which is a cool benefit. I like being able to see how things can connect better. And it trans the way it translates again to leadership is I used to tell people and I would get mixed responses to this, but I have, I have something for this. Now I, I I've read a book. I've been reading a book recently, uh, atomic habits. If you haven't read it, you've probably heard of it. It's phenomenal. And I'll talk about how it comes into play here in just a second. What I used to tell people when somebody, especially if they were new to my team, is my job is to make your job as easy as possible. Yeah. And that hopefully will cause you to be able to take on more responsibility or enjoy your job or whatever that means for you. My goal is to make it as easy as possible for you. That doesn't mean so that you can be lazy. Just because your job is easy doesn't make you lazy. It probably means that you have crafted the job in such a way that it it's it can be reflexive to you, which, yeah, I mean, if it takes less work, technically you don't have to work hard, and that's fantastic. But for me, I, I, it kind of goes beyond that. We've I think we've touched on a little bit how I tried to, you know, shorten people's work week, basically, if it was at all possible. Because I just think that, a 40-hour work week is something invented in the Industrial Revolution, and it doesn't really have to be a thing anymore. If you're getting the job done, who cares how long it takes you? That's just it's a philosophy of mine. And if you're, if you're following along, it, it makes sense because that's all about efficiency. If you, so let me, let, me type, let me tie this back to Atomic Habits because I just learned this. The reason that something becomes a habit, its whole purpose is to make a thing easier so that you don't have to devote an extraneous calories to it. So you get good at driving. How much stuff that you do when you're driving is habitual? Yeah. Almost all of it. Yeah. Especially when you get good at it. You're looking in your mirrors. You're adjusting the steering wheel. You're noticing some car pulling out 90 feet ahead of you. Like all that stuff is not conscious anymore. It's, you know, it's reflexive i.e. easy. So anyway, that that's that's just one of mine is like it if somebody were to ask, you know, do you have a, a passion? And I said efficiency, what do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to be a leader. <laughs> that, those two things might not go hand in hand until it's explained like I just did. So that that's kind of what I was going for. Like, do you that's my I don't know if anybody else would consider that fun, but that's my fun one. Um do you have something like that? I, I don't have anything that I could put my finger on beyond the relationship piece. I think it's 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 funny because the way that it fits in with what you're talking about, and I've seen it so often where, you know, there's always going to be some communication breakdown, whether it's between you and somebody who works for you or people working together as peers. Laying the groundwork of relationship-based management and actually developing those relationships, having the discussions I talked about and why why I, th I think they are enjoyable. And I know there's a myriad of people who don't agree. They would rather just come in, put their head down, do their work, and leave. Mm -hmm. It's groundwork for building not just a bigger and better team but working at an individual level. So we had a, we had a discussion several pods ago, and it was about the individual versus the team. And I do tend to focus on that individual. And then the reason I lay that groundwork is the benefit of the team. So it's funny because I never looked at it in that respect before. And then working with you and then our peers uh, at the bank that we were at, it became, oh, well, 
everything becomes easier. The communication is easier. Things are simpler. We develop a common language. It, it was all about efficiency. Yeah. And setting expectations and boundaries and all these things that we talk about as being leaders come from your philosophies of efficiency. And then the best part is, is when it hits the fan or something goes sideways, we already are so efficient in other areas. We actually have the, the time and the bandwidth to dedicate to this is just another thing that we need to seamlessly bring in, break down, streamline, and add to the arsenal where other people are in a complete panic about uh, one more thing is being added to the plate. And we were, we were always ahead of that curve in that sense. That is efficiency. That's a direct reflection of reporting to you for, for four and a half years. Well, that's interesting. And you're actually causing me to remember, I think one of the reasons that I, I mean, I've always been a fan of efficiency, but I think one of the reasons that I got obsessed with it was because the place that we worked was not. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> was not. Uh, that's a great way of saying that. Uh, you're, the job that you guys were in was, in my estimation, and I said this a lot, even to you guys, you guys had the most shit upon job of any I had ever seen Thank anywhere you. else in that company. <laughs> you guys were absolutely just dumped on anytime something needed to be added and there was never removal. It was, oh, we have to we also have to do this now. Always came to your level. Almost without fail. And that was one of the things that made me so obsessed with getting super efficient and everything because they're gonna keep piling. They're going to. It, it is it is inevitable. So since – sorry, I got to go a little Team America. Is what? <laughs> In, inevitable. <laughs> One more time. It's inevitable. It inevitably will happen. All right. You guys would just always always get whatever the new thing was. And there was, there was a time when there were team leads. These were people that, you know, were your guys' right-hand people. And they were basically like – you could consider like an assistant manager. And nope, that's uh, – we, we will not be having team leads do this. This has to be an exempt duty Everything was exempt. Everything had to fall on you guys. And it just it was just nonsense. So there was two things I was constantly doing is making sure that everybody was super good at their job because the pile was going to keep growing no matter what. And seeing what I could get away with have not having you do. That's that's another thing that is a little it's a little subversive. And I, I grant you that it can it can sound bad. It can even look bad on paper. But Trust me when I tell you that my hunt was for things that were unnecessary. Yeah, it, it's an interesting distinction because, you know, who does it benefit or who does it serve? Right. So often it was benefiting leadership so that they could count the beans or understand what was happening on the ground in in an environment where if you and, – and no offense, they've paid their dues in other ways. Sure. But if you took somebody from the C-suite and put them on the phone, they'd freak out. Because if you took someone from the C-suite and put them in charge of people, people on, on the, the phone, phone, they'd freak and, out. And the reason why is because so many of those instances – and so uh, duality. If this sounds familiar to you as a leader, you're not alone. If this sounds familiar to you as a leader of leaders, take a good hard look at the fact of who does it serve. Is it serving your customer? Is it serving the people who are on the front line? Or is it serving your leaders? And it needs to be – something that is either more efficient or, you know, if it, if it actually gains performance, if somebody does their job better and there's a return on an investment that way, that's one thing. 
if all that it is and most of the things I know just because of the shorthand that we're talking about was just reporting, it was just reports. <laughs> uh, I don't, I didn't need to put together any reports. Um, the reason why was because of the fact that my team was in the, at least the top 10% of the company. If I was below that, I was nervous. So it's a scenario where all it was, was leaders wanted to have a pulse on what was happening and they would, they would just dump it on us to do reporting. It didn't serve the customer. It didn't serve our employees and it certainly didn't serve us. No. And that's where, where, um, figuring out, you know, what you can push back on, what you can ask around. Do I need to do these reports if my team is at 106%? Uh, no, no, you don't. How about I use my time to explain to you why my team is at 106% so that we can duplicate that and be more efficient? Yeah. And they, no, 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 no. There's no need for that. Yeah. And so <laughs> we don't um, need to hear how you're It's successful. an important distinction because we're not just complaining about, you know, things being added to a job. That That is going to happen. I think it's really interesting. Everything that we've built up to this point, I, I, want, a, I want a team that goes, um, no, I can't do anymore. I can't. I'm I'm working as efficiently as possible. I'm at or over hours. I'm I I have no interest in taking on your next project because I'm full. If you want to take something else off my plate or hire more people. Well, and and that's the balance, right? That and that was actually you just reminded me that's one of the other things that I was always you know, if you're going to add something to the plate, one of the things I was excited about adding was projects. Like there there were things that were worth our time. Making things more efficient. <laughs> yeah, a lot of our a lot of our own invented projects were about making things more efficient, which takes a little bit of front work, yeah. a little front loading. But yeah, like there, you're right. There was tons of stuff being added, and you're absolutely right. That that that's a natural evolution. Any company, as it gets better at something, or starts to do more of something, or starts to make more money, or whatever, you as a business, you should be evolving. That's the right attitude, which means your employees are going to be doing at least different things or slightly different things. You don't, you know, you shouldn't be looking for a situation where nothing changes ever. That's stagnant. Is that a word? I know a stagnant is a word. Yeah. I. Well, I, would you, you like me to consult the Google? No. Yeah. You understood what I meant? It's a word. Yeah. <laughs> it's a linguistic rule. So you. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to bring up that I think they estimated Shakespeare made up over 400 words that are used in the English language. So if he can make up words, uh, we're good. Well, my wife has... Citinario. That's all Citinario. <laughs> my wife has two degrees. One of them is in linguistics, and she will rue the day <laughs> that she taught me that if you understand what I said, it's a word. Because <laughs> I make up words all the time now. <laughs> oh, just uh, watch a debate on TV. You'll see all kinds of made-up words. Yeah, it's great. It's, I mean, it's the evolution of language. We don't say doth anymore or, or you know, lest and things like that. Like those – anyway. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about digression. That's a huge tangent. Um, language got more efficient. So instead of doth, we say do. Or does. Yeah. Yeah, do you. Yeah. Anyway. I'll do, anyway. <laughs> don't do it. Some of it is uh, – some of it's an exercise in, in efficiency. You know, doth protest too much is a faster way of saying, well, I guess you could say you protest. All right, here we go. Back on track. <laughs> it's funny. Sorry, audience. That doesn't happen very often. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of you for going down that rabbit hole, even though it was only for two seconds. Yeah, you know what? I, 
I'm trying to loosen up. Speaking of uh, speaking of loosening up is 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 essentially what we were trying to do at the workplace. That that's part of my efficiency battle or pursuit is so that everybody doesn't have to take things so damn seriously. Yep. And you know, especially yourselves. You don't take yourself seriously. Take the job as seriously as you need to to get it done. Especially to make sure that our teams are happy, our customers are happy. Things are getting accomplished, and when possible, things are getting accomplished well and possibly even better than others. But part of my effort for efficiency was so that we could do those projects where, you know, you guys could work on how can we make this better? And even if it only ends up being just better for us, uh, that's good enough. But there were times when some of you guys would get recognized for things you were doing and some regional would come along and go, oh, we should introduce this to everybody else. And the problem in a company that doesn't have a great culture is that nobody else wants to do stuff that was created by another team. Well, and and then <laughs> here's the next step in the evolution of this conversation around efficiency. You can go look anywhere. You you can't have a team that is creative or innovative if they don't have time to sit and ponder and have discussions and banter back and forth around how to make something better. So freeing up the time in order to have the ability to even have those projects to do things more efficiently. Uh, If you're in an industry uh, where it is a creative industry, writing, film, art, you know intrinsically you have to sometimes just simply sit and think about something or reread and rewrite and, you know, in some cases, I'm sorry, reshoot. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Um, Thank God for digital cameras. Uh, (laughs) But those instances where, you know, we all want the latest and greatest and we want our company to be on the cutting edge, that will never happen unless people actually have the time or, or in some great cultures, build the time into people's schedules so that they can actually innovate and create. Yeah. That's, That's payoff number two for not overburdening your staff. So I guess the my takeaway or what I what I hope is a takeaway for our audience would be if you have something that isn't quite as obvious towards what you do the, the specifically leadership if you if you if there's something that doesn't necessarily translate easily to leadership lean into it anyway because you never know like for me it turned out to be quite a good thing to be overly obsessed with efficiency it turned into it turned itself into a lot of different things and and helped in a lot of different ways. So you know, don't just discount it because it doesn't seem like it has to do with um, leadership. I mean, yeah, maybe you're obsessed with cars. That that I don't necessarily know how that could translate into leadership if you don't have if you don't work with cars. But that doesn't mean there isn't a way. Like, yeah, there's there's probably a way. Or the work that you're doing. And it's, it's interesting because that's where the handcuffs were really taken off of me. We've talked about Clifton Strengths, or it used to be called Strengths Finder. And uh, the three in the middle for me are uh, connectedness, developer, and communication. And it was kind of that like, oh, that's why I enjoy talking to people. And I enjoy making those different connections and connecting at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working in a development space where, and sometimes the development space means somebody wants to learn about something that I don't know anything about. And so they take a LinkedIn learning class or we free up their schedule so they can actually take a college course or a community college course or an online course that we're going to pay for, um, you know, budgets being whatever they might be. 
even even in the instance of somebody wants to learn it so much that they're willing to do it on their their own dime, mm-hmm. but they need the time. And so we're right back to to being efficient and having the time to to do these extra things that make us better. I could even think of an an obsession of somebody that I've worked with that again, at a first glance, I didn't necessarily think that it was helping anything. But upon closer inspection, it turns out it was good for her organization at large because she was known for this thing. Well, she was known for the result of this thing. No, outside of the organization, you wouldn't know how nutty she could be about this thing. And this thing was compliance. She was hyper-focused on regulatory stuff. And she would make it absolutely her mission to make sure her site was done with all of the compliance. Like I'm trying to think of a term that would make sense to the audience so they know what we're talking about. It's like it's web-based trainings. You got to do the same trainings every damn year. Yeah, they have they have dates on them. You have to have them done every six months, a quarter, annually. Yeah. So well, for the sake of uh, ease of vocabulary, we'll just call it compliance training. Yeah. Um, and she was – insane about it she there it was always as soon as it came like there there would be windows of time so it would open up on april 1st and you had to you know you had to have them done by you know september 1st or whatever as soon as april 1st came around we knew she was coming around in person hassling everybody you get your compliance training done you get you how about you how's your team all right how far along are there she was obsessed truly with being the site that was going to be done 100 percent first obsessed with it. And I will say this, that site was very good at quality assurance. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> knowing, knowing the background, knowing who you're talking about, uh, we built it into our processes yep. to basically take 30 to 45 days and we'd be done. And we would have taken the trainings and we never got asked. We never got spoken to. I can remember a couple of times where uh, those reports would come out and, and emails would come out. And if you're on the email, you get the report and I'm sending it back to the sender uh, being essentially, can you please remove me from this report with, you know, 400 other people on it? Uh, these are all completed. If you actually go update your report, mm-hmm. um, we never got talked to about compliance and compliance uh the, the time of compliance, like we never, we never came up against it. I can think of a couple of instances where one or two courses for specific people that had trouble coming into the office mm-hmm. might have been an issue. <laughs> but here's the thing. Can you imagine if you were coming up against that deadline and you procrastinated it out and now you have 20 people? Mm-hmm. How do you take 20 people off the phones so that you can get their compliance training done? You make it a priority up front and you get it done in a 45-day window and nobody in the C-suite talks to you about it again for the next 12 months. Yeah. And I'll say this. This this is a nice little tangent uh, that makes sense to what we're talking about. I have always found that it is good to care about what your teammates care about, and that includes your leader. And this this particular individual that we're speaking of, I I liked her as a person. I did not think that she was a good leader. She was she was nice. She was friendly. She had a big heart. She loved to scare people, which is weird. Some <laughs> people some people like that. She's a little bit of a prankster. I didn't think she was a good leader, but that doesn't that doesn't mean I can't be a good follower. And I was in charge of a bunch of people direct you know 
reporting to her, I had teams of people reporting to me who were still, you know, belonging to her. So in order to make my life as easy as possible so that I can make my the people reporting to me their lives as easy as possible, I had to find a way to make her life as easy as possible as well. And I recommend that. <laughs> and and is, if you ever have to call in a favor where somebody has to move a mountain for you. Yeah. Just, it's easier to done when you've greased the wheels. It's it's uh, well, and it's not like you're not doing something you're going to have to do anyway. You just right. find a way to make it efficient. And uh, I, the word I wanted to say was we kind of we, we kind of showed off a little bit with some of that because we would just make it a focus. Yeah, it was it was one of the things that nobody needed to care nearly as much about as she did. What was important for the company is to make sure that everybody had completed their compliance on time, which is essentially by the end of the year. So somewhere between January 1st and December 31st, all these things got to get done. The windows are going to open. So we're trying to break it apart. So you're not slamming yourself in month 12 with 20 different compliance courses that you have to take. We're, we're trying to make this easier on you because we realize you're humans. It's fine. It's actually not a bad way to go. But <laughs> when you work for a person who's like, we have to be the first ones done, go get it done, go get it, go, 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 go. When you work for that person, your best bet, if you can make it happen, is just do it. Just just do it. Find a way to, to – this is – you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, conjure up my father who was the first leader that I met. He worked in the same business for over 50 years. I want to say probably like 52 years, 53. 45 of those years, he was a store manager. Doing the exact same job. They, they moved, he was the fix-it guy. He, he was obviously very good at the job, so they would relocate him to a, a shit show. He'd fix them, get a new manager in place, and they'd move him off to the next place that needed to be repaired. And when it was time for me to go get a, a job, I said, well, I guess I could get some advice. Like, what do you say, old man? What is, it, what is the uh, – what do I need to know when I go get a job? And he said, I have three words for you that will make your life supremely easy – if you can just dial this in. And he was he knew who his, who his audience was. <laughs> <laughs> he said, please the boss. I was like, well, I don't really care for that. And he's like, yeah, I know you don't. That's why I said I know my audience. Please the boss. He's like, let me give you an example. Let's say your boss asks you to uh, take out the trash. And you discover pretty quickly that there's a better way. Even as you're taking out the trash, you realize there's a better way. But your boss taught you how they do it there. Your mission is to take out the trash the way the boss told you to take it out for as long as it takes to have that person pleased. Once they're happy with you, then you can go with your ideas. Then you go in with, hey, listen, man, why don't we do this thing where we put a bunch of empty bags, you know, the new bags. Why don't we just throw those in the bottom of the can underneath the bag that we're that we're lining it with and that way we yank out the trash there's a new bag right there in the can like he's like i've done this i'm using this example on purpose I, this was one of my ideas when i first started coming up but i did not start off going hey boss i know you just told me to take out the trash and how you want me to do it there's a better way it's like no man shut your mouth for a minute just yeah. get good at the job the way that they want you to get good at the job and then toss your ideas out there so in a way, that's inefficient to me, which is probably why it, you know, rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But all this ties back to the boss that I had that was obsessed with compliance. I just did it her way for a while, and then I started doing things my way, which is, 
you know, we're we're going to have these people pull themselves off the phones doing doing these things during breaks and that way when this their compliance time comes up on their schedule they get a free 45 minute break because they've already done their time they've already completed this particular training which incentivized the people on the phones to you know knock these things out during their breaks or or actually during idle time i, I never wanted people doing anything on their breaks that was work related if yeah, we could, it, if we could at all help it, but like we that had environment, some, if we had time between calls and they were like, "Hey, now is a good time to pull your team for your team meeting, or to pull a couple of people to do one on ones or that type of thing." Yeah, just get them yeah. going. Yeah, just knock out the compliance training then. And we we were we were always in a site where that site was number one in the country. We were the number one teams on in that site, leading the way, getting things done, and. Like you said, you know, it got it kind of got adopted. Even when she was no longer our leader, uh, we kind of kept doing the things the same way anyway. And so we were doing that favor, that solid for somebody else who probably didn't. I don't know if they appreciated it as much, but it is because which would make sense. <laughs> yeah, more like me, like kind of like taking you know, it for granted more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does fall a little bit into the who cares category, but obviously, if it came up, like, hey, you know, you got. You got three main teams here. Max is looks like he's already done with his compliance. I'm sure that leader would go, "Oh, well, great job, Max. Thanks for being done already." Like, sorry, we don't even think about it anymore. We just it's it's built in, <laughs> programmed. Yeah. yeah, I don't want it to mess up the actual fun stuff I'm obsessed about later. Yeah, exactly. It's that's exactly right. I would rather do something else with the time that everybody else is spending on catching up on their compliance training. Now nah, I got plans. We we got other stuff we want to do. I got one other thing that that I'm pretty obsessed with uh, in the office space in general. You know, we've talked before about core principles, and and one that we share is just be a good human in general. You know, looking out for other people, it, essentially, not only taking care of the people around you, but you know, do no harm, kind of a thing. Like like staying out of the the passing lane on the freeway. Just, yeah, come on, be just, a good human and just get out of the way. If you want to go 55? That's fine. Just do it in a different lane. It's those instances in, in really mastering customer service. <laughs> that felt weird to say, but I think we, we have mastered, you know, yeah. what, that, what that can look like. And when I'm listening to a call or if I hear it over the wall or if I'm walking through somebody else's section and I'm hearing somebody pop off to a customer in, in that rude tone. Yeah. Um, you, you, anytime you hear, sir. Or, you, or who do you think you're talking to? Yeah. Or... Or you people or, you know, there's there's a myriad of different things there. It goes both ways, though, because um, I'm I'm highly enamored with somebody who's professional enough to have somebody be upset with them on the phone. And they're not upset ever with a person. They're upset with a company or a process or something that happened that was out of everybody's control and they're venting. But well, uh, it never starts off upset at a person. It can they can add that to yeah, the queue. Yeah, if, yeah, for sure. If people on the phones are being a jackass. But but when when you're rude, which is what you're in control of, and you know we've got an adage: one of the two of you is being paid to be in this situation, and it's not the customer. Right. Um, it doesn't mean you have to put up with direct verbal abuse. And we were very fortunate to be in a place where there was a, a one shot warning, and then if the customer continued to be emotionally abusive, you could hang up, which is. Pretty, I think, pretty rare. Wow, that's it was for a while. They, they, for a good long while, we had a good window of time where we were allowed to hang up, which I stand by. I think you should be allowed to do that, especially if we. I mean, we recorded every call, so yeah. it's not like we couldn't prove it. Yeah. But they switched it eventually. Like you had to escalate, but you could force escalate, which means you just dropped them on hold, 
and then went and got, you know, got got to your executive office, whatever. Like, I got a customer that's being abusive. Yeah. And the next time the customer heard themselves off, pulled off hold, it was to another voice. Well, and, and back to my point, what you are in control of um, and how you acknowledge that situation and, and attempt to help. If you wanted me at your desk saying, I need to talk to you as soon as you're done with this call, like put yourself on, on a block, et cetera. That was, that was, that was how it would happen because that was one thing that I was obsessed with. Like if, if anybody's going to get upset, it's only going to be the customer. And we're going to, we're going to work through even the psychology in the background of why a customer getting upset makes you either mad or makes you shut down in some instances. And those are, those are things that I'm obsessed with because I, I really don't think there's any room for it. We could have, we can have an entire episode about allowing other people to have enough emotional traction to ruin your day or not. But yeah, I was, I was actually just starting to think out, I'm trying to remember if I have a favorite, somebody getting real nasty. <laughs> With their customer on the phone. <laughs> I've had I've had employees cuss at people on the phone before, and that always yeah. ends poorly. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to remember if I had any stories, but it's been so long since I, you know, was like on the floor <laughs> and close enough to hear it because I was very, very privileged and fortunate enough to have an office. The first job that I uh, had out of college was working in a gym, and there was an irate customer at the counter, and the uh, the assistant manager literally got so frustrated with this customer that he he just told him you need to leave and the customer's like what and he's like you're being an unprofessional customer <laughs> i need you to go <laughs> and i just remember looking at him like that's the dumbest <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I mean, you're being an unprofessional customer you need to go it's, i love that that's it's, great it's but it it was just the context of it it was uh <laughs> it was it was in poor taste Perhaps. <laughs> oh, I can think of instances where firing a customer is absolutely necessary for the safety of your staff, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. This. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the background details because it was that petty along with this prima donna just going, you're being a not nice customer. You need to go. It was it was it was bad. Funny. Well, I, I'll say that I, I like you're being an, an unprofessional customer. I, I didn't know that's <laughs> where it was going. Was, <laughs> you're being an unprofessional customer. You need to stop. In, a, in that in that <laughs> scenario, there are a lot worse things you can say. Uh. I guess to sum up, if you've got an eccentricity, lean into it because it can really pay off. It can if you can find a way to adapt your work style to it, or or to adapt it to your work life, it can be really beneficial to have some some <laughs> some things that are a little bit weird about you that I don't know. It's 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 worth it. It's worth it to lean into it. Yeah. If if you take the things about you that you're obsessed with that make you truly unique and you filter that through what are your strengths and find that through line and that common thread, you can you can really use it as motivation and drive in order to get things done. And clearly, if you're not having any fun at all, then you're doing it wrong. 